Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. Second Peter chapter 1 this morning, we are in the midst of a sermon series called Made to Mature, all about spiritual growth from beginning to end. Peter is building a case for our spiritual growth. We are not just saved to know God, we are saved to grow up in God. And that's what Peter wants to talk to us about. And two weeks ago, we began this series with the reminder that we have been divinely equipped. Peter told us that God has given us everything necessary for our life and godliness, and we need to embrace that truth. And then last week, we saw that we need to be diligently putting forth the effort and that three times in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about making uh, full effort into something or making every effort into something. And today he wants to sort of go a step further with that. And I want to begin this morning in chapter 1, verse 12. We're going to be talking about some things that help us stay awake as Christians. And I'm not talking about physical awakeness. I'm talking about spiritual alertness, spiritual watchfulness, spiritual awareness. It is a very important thing. In fact, even throughout the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus, he would continually ask his followers, are you alert? Are you watchful? Are you awake? You see. And Peter wants to talk to us about that as well, because in a sense, you and I can't make every effort towards something if we're not awake. And, and really what it's a concept of is to be fully engaged, to be all in. And one of the things I found in my Christian life is the more I invest in something, the more I put into something, the more I get out of it, right? The more I put into worship, the more I get out of worship. The more I put into my prayer life, the more I get back from my prayer life. The more I put into the study of God's Word, the more I get out of it. The more I put into church, the more I get out of it. I've heard Christians over the years say, I don't get much out of church. How much are you putting in? You see, that's what Peter wants to talk to us about. First, second Peter, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 12 Therefore, he says, I intend to remind you to put in our remembrance, to admonish us constantly of these things, even though you know them and are well established in the truth that you now have. Stop for a moment. Did you notice something there? Peter is not talking or addressing baby Christians or those who've just recently been converted to Christ. He's talking to spiritually mature people. He says, I know the audience that I'm speaking to in this letter, and I know that you already know these things, okay? I'm not going to tell you anything new, just like I'm not going to tell you anything today that you don't already know, okay? And then he goes on to say, and you are well established in the faith. You're a solid Christian. And so it's a reminder to us that no matter how long we've been saved, how much we've grown, how solid we think our spiritual foundation is, this message is still for us, okay? And then he says in verse 13, Indeed, as long as I am in this tabernacle, we'll get back to that in a minute. That's a way that Peter talks about his physical body. I consider it right to stir you up 
by way of reminder. Peter says, here's how you and I stay stirred up by reminding ourselves of certain things continually in our Christian life. Now, what's the phrase stirred up means? It literally means to be fully awake, to be fully engaged, to be all in. That's what it means to be stirred up. And God is continually wanting his people to be that, to be fully awake, fully engaged with him and what he's doing. He wants us to be awake to his presence, awake to his power, awake to his plan, awake to his people. He wants us to be spiritually alert and alive at all times. I want to commend you all. I think we have a group here at the Oasis who, for the most part, are always fully engaged. You come ready to meet with God and to, to worship God and whatever. And I was even mentioning Wednesday night. It, it, it's a real testimony to those on Wednesday, right? Because they've worked all day or been engaged all day in other activities. And by 7 o'clock, all of us know, man, you're dragging by then, right? I, I'm telling you, God gives them a supernatural boost, because they come in here on Wednesday night, and it's just as lively as it is on Sunday morning. They are fully awake, and God appreciates that. And God understands that if, if we're going to grow, not only do we need to embrace the fact that God's given us everything we need to grow, and that we then need to put forth effort, but that we need to remain sort of fully engaged with the things of God. And there's certain things, Peter says, that we can remind ourselves of continually or uh, remind each other of continually or allow the Spirit of God to remind us of continually that will keep us awake, keep us stirred up. And I want to go back to start looking at these things actually at the end of last week's message. Look at chapter 10 or chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to be sure of your calling and election. We'll come back to that on Easter Sunday in our 11th anniversary. For by doing this, you will never stumble into sin, for thus an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. The first thing that Peter wants to remind us of in order to keep us stirred up is that we are part of God's eternal kingdom. And as such, that means that the Lord promised that we would rule and reign with him. And that this life is just a very brief sort of stop on this place called earth, but that we've got a whole eternity out there awaiting us. And as God's people, first of all, we have a thousand year millennial reign of Christ literally on the earth that you and I will be a part of where we will rule and reign with him. And then beyond that, after God destroys this heaven and this earth as we know it, he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth after that in which we will rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever. And it never stops and it never ends and it's everlasting and it's ongoing and you get the picture, right? The eternal kingdom. Now, here's the deal. Why should that stir me up? Because 
how you and I live our life now will determine our role, our responsibility, the part that we play in his eternal kingdom. That's why that should stir me, you see. See, it's not just, well, I'm just glad I'm saved and I'm just going to be happy just to be a part of it. That, again, is a statement of a non-growing, non-healthy Christian. A healthy Christian is going to go, I realize I'm not just saved to know God. I'm saved to grow up in God, and I'm saved to be part of his eternal kingdom, a kingdom that he has invited me to rule and reign with him, a kingdom that he said we will even rule over the angelic realm for all of eternity, and that God wants to give me a part to play, a significant part to play in his eternal kingdom. And the part that he will choose for me is going to be based on my Christian life now. Many of the parables that Jesus gave to his followers connects this thought. I mean, there's the parable of the talents, where Jesus says God gave out different talents to every Christian. Every Christian has at least something to to work with, right? And then he said after the master would go away for a while, he would come back and, and take account of what did the servants do with what the master entrusted to them. And he said many of the servants, they took what God gave them and they grew it and they increased it and they invested it. And so he says to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you've been faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. God said, because I've seen your faithfulness down here on earth and how you've handled your responsibilities here and how you've you've been a good steward of what I've entrusted to you, guess what I'm going to do with you? I'm going to put you in this role, in this responsibility in my eternal kingdom. But he also said there were many who received from the master these things that they were entrusted with, and they did nothing or very little with them. They never grew them. They never increased them. They never invested them. They never really did what they could have done. And so their role and responsibility will be very much reduced. In fact, Jesus even said, because you haven't been faithful with what I give you, it's actually taken away, and I'll give it to somebody who will do something with it. Whoa. See, Peter is saying the reality of being part of his eternal kingdom, that you and I are called upon to rule and reign with him, should be a continual reminder that stirs us up in our Christian life. Secondly, verse 12 to verse 14, our spiritual legacy that we leave behind so it all, should also be a reminder that stirs us up and keeps us fully engaged. It's not just what we lay ahead, as Peter talks about in verse 11. It's what we leave behind after we're gone. Notice Peter talks about this. He says in verse 13, Indeed, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this tent, Uh, It's a a very vivid picture of what he looks at as his physical body. It's like, first of all, a tent's not really very permanent, and it's pretty fragile. 
and, and, and I'm going to lay it aside one day. I'm just going to pack it up and put it aside just like I would a tent. He said, I, I, I consider it right then to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know, verse 14, that my tabernacle, this physical body, is going to soon be removed because our Lord Jesus revealed this to me. In other words, Peter is saying, I realize I have a very short time left on this earth. So here's what I want to do with my life and what I want to encourage you to do with yours. Indeed, verse 15, I will also make every effort that after, don't miss these words, after my departure, after my death, which by the way, even using the word departure to speak of death means, oh, you realize death is not the end, right? Because guess what? We're going on to that eternal kingdom that we just talked about. But we still have to deal with the reality of our departure from this earth that you have a testimony of these things. See, Peter is saying it, it should it should constantly stir us up, not only what we're laying ahead in heaven, if you will, laying up treasure, as Jesus says, but what am I leaving behind after I'm gone? What kind of spiritual legacy, what kind of footprints am I creating for others to follow in? We're studying the book of Daniel on Wednesday night. We only have a couple weeks left. And and, and one of the realities that, that Daniel was made known about was that what he would write down in his book was something that would benefit the people of God for generations. That in a sense, his book of Daniel was leaving a rich spiritual legacy for others to follow in. In fact, Daniel's even given insight that during the last days, during the great tribulation period, when Jews especially will come back and learn that their Messiah truly is Jesus Christ and will embrace him, that they're going to use the book of Daniel to get to that place. What a legacy. And Peter is saying all of us should be conscious about what are we going to leave to others after our departure. What kind of impact or influence are we going to have that others can be inspired by and motivated by for the rest of their life? I think that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that Abel, though he is dead, is always still speaking. It means that you and I have to remind ourselves that you and I can have an ongoing influence and impact even long after we're dead, if we live right. That, that people can look at our life and remember us and be inspired by our testimony and the way we lived our life, and even maybe like Peter, what we left them behind. What, what did we leave them? You see, Peter says, I'm making every effort that after I'm gone, you have a testimony that you can look at the things that I wrote, the things that I said, the way that I lived, and all of that, and that you can continually be inspired. Spiritual legacy is something that you and I should, should always be stirred up about and, and remain stirred up because that's another huge thing that Peter's reminding us of. So there's the eternal kingdom, and then there's our spiritual legacy. Then come down with me to verse 16. The third thing is, the return of the Lord. Notice he says, we did not 
wholly follow cleverly concocted fables when we made known to you the power and return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been teaching you and telling you that our Lord is going to return. In fact, in the first century, even though we're now 2,000 years away from that, they truly believed that Jesus was coming in their lifetime. They, they were looking for him to come even then. We're 2,000 years later. But something that we should continually remind ourselves of in order to stay fully awake spiritually is that the Lord could come back at any time. And like he said in his parables, blessed is the servant who when the master comes back, he finds his servant busy doing what the master's asked him to do. Fully engaged, see? Not just sitting on some mountain somewhere, humming a tune, but fully engaged in what God has given us to do. And Jesus even said, therefore, to his followers in Matthew 24, I believe it's verse 42, he says, therefore, be fully alert or fully awake because you do not know the day that the Lord will return. No one knows the time. And because it could happen at any time, that means you and I need to treat every day as if it could be our last. We don't know. We don't know. And the Lord could come back at any moment. He could come back even before this service is over. So do I not, and boy, wouldn't that be good in a sense? Because that means, that, that not, not, well, not only good for that. Yeah, I, I get it. But I'm talking, he would find us in his house. It's a good place to be when Jesus comes back, right? In other words, Peter is saying, you, you realize that he's coming back at some time, and God wants us to live every moment of our lives as if he's coming. He's coming, and to be awake to that and to be stirred by that. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The Lord's coming back at some point. And we might be in that generation that's still alive when the Lord comes. And when he comes, I love what Peter says. He says, oh, this time he's not coming in humility to die for sin like he did the first time. No, no, this time he's coming in power and great glory. Because he's going to come the next time to set up his kingdom after he takes his church out for a few years. So Peter says, I want to remind you. And by the way, I, I failed to say this. And this is important. If you look at verse 12 and verse 13, the word remind is used several times there in those two verses. And, and one of the things that we as Christians have to embrace, I guess would be the best word, it's okay to embrace repetition. It's okay to embrace repetition in our worship. It's okay to embrace repetition in the word. It's okay to repeat things. Because many times, in order to really get it, you got to repeat it. I mean, we know this in our life. The more we practice something or the more we repeat it, the more proficient we get in it. 
I can remember as a little boy this time of year going out to little league practice and our coaches just throwing batting practice for hours. And I would sit there and go, why am I doing this? And then when I'd get into the game and I got a couple hits, I was glad I put in all that repetitious practice. Sometimes, too, isn't it true? Well, I shouldn't speak for you. I'll speak for me. I'm pretty thick. It, it takes God sometimes a long time to get something through. So repetition's good. So I, 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 and again, he's not talking here to young Christians. He's talking to mature Christians. You already know this stuff, he said. I'm not going to tell you anything new, Peter's saying. You're well established, but guess what? We still need to hear it over and over and over again because we need to stay fully awake. And when we're not staying fully awake, we're starting to slumber. We're starting to get sleepy spiritually. We're starting to walk around in some kind of spiritual stupor. And we're not really totally aware of God, what God is doing, what's going on in the world. And this is where I see, honestly, many, many Christians today in light of what's been going on even in our world. They, they don't realize that there's something more going on here than just what's going on that they see on the surface. You and I have to, as the church, be fully awake and stirred up at all times. And those are the first three. Let me give you the last three, and they all surround Peter's experience with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, verse 17, for he received, or excuse me, I'll go back up to verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly concocted fables when we made known to you the power and return of our Lord Jesus. No, we were eyewitnesses of his grandeur, of his magnificence, of his majesty. When were they eyewitnesses? On the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus just for just a moment pulled back, if you will, that humanity and let his glory shine through. Okay? And Peter says we were eyewitnesses of that. It simply is a reminder to us that all of us, like Peter, have God experiences where we are privileged to be present, to see God work, to see God move, to see a glimpse of his glory, to see his reality, to, to know his presence is there, to, to see his power at work. And, and even though maybe none of us in this room, had the experience like Peter of actually seeing Jesus with our own eyeballs and even seeing his physical glory manifested, there's not a one of us who are here in this room today who have not had personal, firsthand acquaintance, God experiences in our life, where we know God's real. I have seen his hand at work. I have seen his power displayed. I have seen his presence felt. I, I, I know that he is at work. And Peter is simply saying, besides his eternal kingdom, besides our spiritual legacy, besides the imminency of his return, we should always be mindful of these God experiences that we've had that remind us about our God and that he's always working, that he's always alive, and that this is real, folks. This isn't just make-believe. 
This is real. Now, God doesn't want us to live in the past. God doesn't want us to dwell in the past. But God always wants our God experiences from our past to be an inspiration in the present. Just like last week. Remember when Peter said you can get to a place in your Christian life by regressing, that you sort of even uh, have this spiritual amnesia set in where you forget about the cleansing of your past sins and salvation, that the salvation experience that you maybe had a year ago, five years ago, it, it no longer plays an everyday or has an everyday effect on your Christian life now. See, Peter says it shouldn't be that way, that as I grow, no matter how long it's been since I've been saved, that the fact that God saved me, saved me because he loved me, saved me by sacrificing his own son for me, saved me because he laid down his very life for me, he shed his blood for me, he took it all for me, and then gave me his righteousness in return should always have an effect on me every day that I live. And Peter's saying the same thing here. He's reminding us about an experience that he had with the Lord that I think he carried with him every day of his life. It was like, wow, I saw God that day. But you know what? We've seen God in our life too. And, and, and everyone here at the Oasis how can you say, after what we've gone through as a church this last year, that God has not supernaturally shown up here? When other churches are struggling, laying off people, shutting their doors, having a hard time navigating this, we have thrived through this. And the only explanation is that God has just chosen to bless not because we deserve it, not because we're better than anybody else, but he has chosen to bless, and I think simply because we have been obedient to what God has asked of us to do. And that's all God's looking for. And God is simply saying, take those experiences and let those experiences in your life, in the life of your community of believers and all that, continue to keep you stirred up because they are a reminder to me, that a reminder to each of us that our God is alive every day and he's working and he's moving and we should never forget that. Second, in this part of it, the other thing that he experienced on the Mount of Transfiguration was hearing the audible honor from father to son. Notice what he says, verse 17, for he, Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, which, by the way, is a phenomenal way to talk about the Father. It's the only time in the Bible that the Father is called something like this. He's called the majestic glory by Peter. And what does the Father say? This is my dear Son in whom I am delighted. I think Peter is saying we should always be stirred by the opinion that the father had of his son. First of all, let's go here. The father didn't just think these thoughts about his son. He audibly spoke so that others could hear how much he loved appreciated, was pleased with his son. 
That's why I think worship is so important to us as Christians, because worship is where you and I get the opportunity as Christians to audibly honor the Son. And guess what? The Father did the same thing. And if God the Father says it's important for me as God the Father to audibly honor the Son so that others hear, how much more important it is for us to audibly honor our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus even said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. It's important for us to audibly let others know. And here in just another few moments, we're going to have that opportunity once again to audibly honor the Lord Jesus Christ. But the other thing I want to point out is these words, verse 17, he received honor and glory both of these are determined by the value and worth of what we are beholding. In other words, God the Father is saying by these words, my son is of greatest value and worth to me as God the Father and to this universe that has been created by him and for him. He is above all things, and this is my son, and I'm delighted in him. And that, if God the Father has that kind of opinion of Jesus, then again, how much more should you and I be stirred to have that kind of opinion of Jesus, that estimation of Jesus, putting that kind of value and worth upon Jesus, living for Jesus like we should? If God the Father thinks of Jesus that way, then you and I should think a million times more that way about Jesus. And the opinion of the Father should be something that keeps us fully awake at all times in our Christian life. As we think not only about those God experiences, but about what the Father thought of the Son that day on the mount. One other. Notice verse 18. When this voice, the voice of the Father, was conveyed from heaven, we ourselves heard it for we were with him on the holy mountain. The other thing I want us to see today is that phrase, the holy mountain, for this reason. I think it's something that continually can stir us and keep us awake spiritually if we remind ourselves of it. That mountain was like any other mountain. There was nothing special about that mountain that Jesus was transfigured on until God's presence was there. God's presence made that mountain holy. God's presence is what makes anything ordinary extraordinary. It goes back to even the time that God was engaging with Moses. They were just somewhere out there in the desert, right? And yet God said, Moses, take off your sandals because you're now on what? Holy ground. Why was it holy ground? Because God was there. See, God's presence makes everything sacred, makes everything special, makes everything holy. So let's apply that for just a second. Let's run that out. God's presence is right here in this auditorium every Sunday and Wednesday. 
That's what makes this place sacred space. That's what makes this a special place. That's what makes this place holy is because God's here. And everywhere God is at, it's a special, sacred, holy place. So let's go one step further. If you're here this morning, you're watching live stream, and you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have God's presence indwelling your physical body, which then makes you sacred, special, and holy. You are the temple of the living God. You are set apart unto God. You should wake up every day going, I'm not just anybody. I'm not just ordinary. I'm extraordinary because my God lives within me. His presence dwells in my physical body, and I am special. I am sacred. I am holy unto God. And when you and I are reminded of that, that should stir us. That should awaken us, you see. Because everywhere God's presence is at makes that person, that place, that situation, whatever, it changes it. Because God's there. Because God is there. And again, God's presence makes something ordinary extraordinary. It was just a mountain. But Peter said, oh, no, no. It wasn't just a mountain. It was a holy mountain. Because God showed up there. God showed up there. God shows he up here. And I thank God for it. I don't take for granted the presence of God in our church. But we shouldn't take for granted the presence of God inside of us every day either. We can forget that, right? We can start to become spiritually slumbery, sleepy, because we're not continually reminding ourselves. Because sometimes even... Unlike Peter's audience, we sort of can get to a place where we think, well, I know that. I don't need to go back and sing that worship song again. I don't need to go back and read that book of the Bible again. I've read it a million times. And yet you and I all know, you and I could read these books of the Bible over and over again, and we'll get something out of it every single time that we haven't seen before. I was asked, I'm asked sometimes throughout my ministry, Pastor Jeff, how, how, do you, how do you absorb what you do out of the Word of God? And I simply say, repetition. Six months ago, I start preparing for messages that I'm going to give six months later. So what did I start to do six months ago? I started to read 2 Peter 20, 30, 40, 50 times before I ever started studying it. Before I ever started studying it, I just read it over and over and over. And, and guess what? It's amazing what you see after the 20th time <laughs> that you didn't see the second time. Don't 
Be afraid of repetition. Even as a mature believer, I'm telling you, it will help you in your spiritual growth. Peter says, Indeed, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this physical body that's going to wear out real quick, he says, I consider it right to stir you up by way of reminder. I hope today that after our time of worship and our time in the Word, we are now all fully awake. And I hope that we will stay awake and stay fully engaged and all in with God. In just a moment, we're going to be able to do what God the Father did on that mountain one day. We're going to be able to audibly honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? And let's pray. God, thank you, God, for waking us up today. Thank you, God, for being here today, for making this place a special place because you're here. Thank you, God, for making us special because you live within us, God. And I pray today, that all of us as Christians, for as long as you allow us to live, God, would remain stirred up because, Lord, we're not afraid to keep reminding ourselves of things that can keep us stirred up, things that we've talked about today, things that Peter has reminded us of today. And, Lord, it's all because of you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would accept our worship back towards you right now. That we would declare that, God, it's only because of you and it's only in you that we live, we move, and we have our being. God, would you take what's happening here today and maybe even in the homes of those who are watching and would you just perpetuate it Help it not to die. Help it not to, to wane. Help us just to keep on trucking for you, God, until the day we see you face to face. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.